Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. All right, lads. Let's get one to 10. How excited, how nervous are you? Ahead of kickoff tonight, Ireland taking on South Africa at 8 o'clock in the Stade de France. We have a big preview coming up on the Big Red Bench. We are going to hear from Andy Farrell and from Johnny Sexton. We're going to hear from off the balls Adrian Barry, who's in Paris ahead of the game. We are going to hear from Paul O'Connell and our rugby analyst, our rugby reporter, Phil Callahan, will be in studio as well to talk us through the game. A big, big preview of a big big game coming up very very shortly in indeed also on the show tonight going to talk Ireland's win over Northern Ireland tonight in the Aviva Stadium and we're going to wrap up all today's action listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM My name's Rory, glad you could join us on the Big Red Bench on a pretty miserable Saturday evening, but it's all focus on the Stade de France tonight. Eight o'clock is the kick-off time. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Don't want to hype it up too much in case it's a damp squib, but it can't be, surely. It can't be. Between these two teams in the World Cup, can't be a damp squib tonight. It's it's just so intriguing. A lot of um, sort of thread lines and a lot of subplots and just... A lot of intrigue heading into this fixture at 8 o'clock. I'll break it all down in just a little bit. But I'm uh, just going to wrap up uh, today's action first off because there is uh, a lot going on around the county, around the country and indeed uh, across the world as well. Um, as we mentioned, Ireland uh, in action this afternoon against South Africa. Uh, 8 o'clock, the kickoff time for that one, or I should say this evening. It's Look, it's absolutely massive. I'm not going to reiterate that point uh, much more, but yeah, it's going to be an absolutely cracking encounter. Elsewhere, England 45 nil up on Chile, 57 minutes on the clock there. And uh, Portugal and Georgia, cracker of a game today in Pulsey. They finished 18 points apiece. Jose Ogbeni started his first Premier League game today against Wolves. Ryan Bromelow was at Kenilworth Road. It finished Luton 1, 10 men, Wolves 1. A historic day for the Hatters who claim their first ever Premier League points. Carlton Morris with the equaliser from the spot stems a tide of four straight defeats for the Hatters. Wolves reduced to 10 men just before the interval as Belgar kicked out at Lockyer on halfway and although Neto had them in front immediately after the restart they have to accept a share of the spoils this afternoon. It's finished Luton 1, 10 men Wolves 1. Yeah, and she knows they've been playing all the 90 minutes there as well. Man City have made it six wins from six, Darren Stanage. Forest nil, early goals made the difference at the Etihad. Folded on seven minutes, took home after good work from Walker. Haaland doubled the lead on 15, he headed home a Nunes cross. After the break, there was an early red card for Sidney's Rodri. He raised his arms to give White. VAR agreed, Sidney down to 10 men. But Forest failed to take advantage. They were dominant in the second half, but nothing serious in terms of opportunities. Edison remained untested. So the champions then, 100% start to the season continues Forest thinking what might have been Man City 2 Forest nil. Also today at Selhurst Park Crystal Palace and Fulham Mike Lawrence Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil. a game which won't live long in the memory both sides huffed and puffed but lacked a moment of quality while both keepers made decent saves Palace stopper Sam Johnson the busier of the two while Fulham's burnt Leno pulled off a, a great save with an outstretched left hand late on to deny substitute Jean-Philippe Mateta so both sides remain level on eight points they finished Crystal Palace nil, Fulham nil. All right, so there's the game underway at the moment. Brentford and Everton is 35 minutes on the clock there. They are level at a goal apiece. The Corey for Everton, uh, Jensen for Brentford just a couple of moments ago. And uh, the late kickoff, Burnley and Manchester United, 8 o'clock is the start time for that one. Elsewhere today, and as I mentioned in the Rugby World Cup, but um, the uh, Munster Senior Challenge Cup semi-final today, Cork Con going to Old Crescent, Con winning 
48-10 there. Uh, a great win for Con. Congratulations to them. That sees them into the final. Uh, international football, the Republic of Ireland kicking off their UEFA Nations League campaign with a comfortable win as they beat Northern Ireland at Lansdowne Road at 3-0. Lucy Quinn scoring Ireland's first ever goal at the Aviva Stadium after 31 minutes. Second half goals in Kira and Lily Ag as well. 36,000 in attendance as well. A huge, huge crowd. Uh, record, obviously, for that. Uh, in the bond scores, the Premier Senior Football Championship quarter-final. Nemo Rangers and Clonic Guilty going head-to-head in Bandon. As you can um, probably... Um, predict given the conditions uh, at the moment not exactly a high scoring affair into the second half three points apiece is uh, how it stands there but yeah it's a tough night to be playing football and uh, Team Europe uh, certainly making a comeback in the defence of their Solheim Cup uh, they were 7-5 down uh, heading into the four ball session but uh, Leon Maguire and Charlie Hull they've beaten Nelly Corda and Ali Ewing four and three both sides are one up in two games level in the last so eight apiece in the scoreboard is uh, how it stands at the moment. Right, straight to uh, rugby and look, it's just a massive, massive game. Adrian Barry's going to join us live from Paris very shortly. First, let's hear from uh, Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton. I'm, I'm pretty confident <clears throat> uh, in the in the five forwards that we've got coming coming off the bench as well, that the impact that they're going to have in the game and the type of game that we want to play when, when, when that happens, you know, so... Um, he doesn't have any bearing as, as far as that's concerned. Uh, we obviously... I've been able to analyse them um, before with a with a with a seven one split, and, and and not that not that much changes obviously fresh and uh, set piece wise uh, dominance that they got in, in in that game, but we'd back our players to do the same. Do you think South Africa in a way were trying to test what your approach might be, what your reaction might be with this decision? I don't know. I don't really. It doesn't really bother me at all. Really, it's just it's just about us. I mean. You know, we, we, we have to be we have to be good, we have to play really well to, to, to beat the world champions and, and rightly so because they're they're in good form. Um, and barring us and our team, our management and the Irish people all over the world, I think everyone else thinks that they're the favourites and they're they're gonna win this game. And I can see why, because of the form that they've showed in the in the last couple of games, but we don't feel like that. We um we're ready for um, a, a, a tough, a tough battle, and um, it'll take its own course, I'm sure. Well, this is what wins. Yeah, it's not, it's not a must-win. It's not a must-win. It's not a do-or-die type of game, but it's, it's pretty important to, to both teams. Let's put it that way. And how big a boost will be psychologically if you Well, it's always nice to win, um, but I suppose we've always um, um, looked at. Um, ourselves mainly as far as the performance is concerned so it's a, it's a big game you know there's there'll be over 30,000 Irish, Irish supporters there in your stadium that we know well and we want to get back there and, and, and get back to winning ways there so it's, it's a challenge that we're we're ready for uh, looking forward to and uh, yeah it's coming soon like every time we play the, the Springboks they, they have the same or it's a, it's a huge uh, jersey in international rugby Um we're pretty proud of ours as well, um, so it's uh, it'll be it'll be a great game, I'm sure, and uh, we're looking forward to it. You have to make certain tweaks, of course, you, like you do every week. You like you know the, we have to make tweaks from Romania to Tonga. We have to make tweaks from England to Samoa. Like there's, there's always tweaks um, around the system they play, around the personnel they have. So yeah, there's there's always that going on in the background. Andy, just one last one on the seven months today. I'm sure you're, you know, you're oh, smiling yeah. as it comes up. What was your initial reaction when you saw it at that time? Was it to have a bit? Did you have a bit of a laugh about it at that point? Or honestly, I did. I need to have a reaction. Um, I don't know. I, I, Is there too much I, I understand why. You know, it's a little bit different for you guys, but for us, it's yes, it's not like you know, it's, it's, we we analyse South Africa like we analyse everyone else, but but when when it really comes down to it, we we take care of ourselves more than more than anything else and try and understand our plan. Now, you know, I think more importantly, rather than the seven-one split, which is 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 a bit irrelevant to us, is 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 um is the last game that we played against each other. I'm sure I'm sure that they think they they know us a little bit better, and maybe that might have influenced the the the, the seven-one split, but. You know, we, we feel the same. We feel that we, 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 we could have performed better on, on that occasion and both teams uh, get the chance to show that at the weekend. 
All right, we will go live to Paris. Now we're off the balls. Adrian Barry has been soaking up the atmosphere ahead of what is going to be an absolutely cracking tie this evening at the Stade de France, 8 o'clock to kick off time for that one. Adrian, thanks for joining us, buddy. How are you? Flying at Rory, yeah, yeah. Uh, bien, as they say over here. Very good. <laughs> How has Paris been treating you the last couple of days? Very good. I came over on Wednesday and it's um, been miserable. It's been a bit like Ireland. Uh, two days of rain, pretty much. Dried up a bit yesterday evening. Beautiful day today. Really crisp, sort of a late winter's uh, feel to it. Beautiful. Happy days, buddy. Happy days. What's the, um, I suppose, the, the feeling amongst the Irish fans that you've been chatting to, I suppose, ahead of tonight's game? Um, th- there's a sense that this is the biggest game of the World Cup so far with the Irish fans. There's a sense that, like, um, it's going to be tight. It's going to be brutal. Um, obviously this South African team it's beauty and the beast isn't it like they're the big physical aggressive fast out of the defensive line team and a lot of people are there's no um, sometimes you come into these games and there can be a bit of nervousness about Jesus, you know if they really let's say both teams come out, come out with the A game we could be under the pump in a big way but there's never hasn't been a sense of that with Irish fans I don't think over the last few years just given the level of success we've had down under and the Six Nations yeah, 27 wins in 29 games says it all about this current Irish team. Yet they are the um, underdogs heading into tonight's game, according to the bookies who rarely get it wrong. South Africa now a favourites for tonight's game, Adrian. Yeah, that's interesting. I am I am very interested in that because I'm kind of, it's very hard. I see it as 50-50. I find it really hard to call. Like, I hate sort of sitting in the fence about it. I probably lean slightly towards Ireland. And funny enough, we had Andy Dunn on Off the Ball Breakfast during the week and... He was saying, I actually couldn't believe it and he fell out of my standing that he reckons Ireland are going to win by 12 points. <laughs> um, so, and he's not a man, like Mystic Andy, he's called uh, around these parts. So um, so we'll see. Like, like I think it's it's a lot of it hangs on how we deal with that fast defensive line because there were certainly times in the Aviva last November where we were getting the ball right to the fringes of that at times just a little bit past it. If we could do enough of that and squeeze past them, it's high wire because if they nail you, you're 30, 40 yards back from um, from your starting position. So, But if we can get a little bit of success there, that might open things up. I mean, I'm not sure I see 12 points, but I'd take three. <laughs> I'll take one at this point, to be honest with yes, you, Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, all the talk in the build-up, Adrian, has been dominated by um, the 7-1 split. If there isn't an ice cream shop in Ireland who hasn't made up a 7-1 split yet, I'd be very, very shocked. But you asked Andy Farrell about it uh, in the press conference this week and he just kind of laughed it off. It's just, it's just one of those things. But it is the big talking point going into this game. Yeah, everybody in the in the press conference, you have to sort of feel your way into those things, obviously. Oh, how's the mood in the camp type stuff yeah, yeah, before yeah. people sort of feel as if they get into it. And he had been asked three or four times before, but I was kind of curious to know, was he a bit like the rest of us? The second he saw it, did he have a bit of a chuckle and a bit of a oof, touche sort of moment about it? But he didn't bite on that. He said, uh, no, no, I had no reaction. And like, fair play to them. Apollo Connell was out yesterday and uh, said very much the same thing. You know, that works for them. 5-3 works for us. And then we'll go. It's really hugely dominated the conversation in the lead to, to the point where nobody's really talking about some of the other stuff about like, is Libok a bit of um, weakness for uh, mm. from a South African point of view or, or, or even... The other side of the seven one, you know, like people have hinted in around the fringes of it, but if things are to go wrong for them in the back line, they do have players. Uh, Willem says one of those maybe slot in a ten. The clerk can obviously play a little bit of ten, and they can move the jigsaw around a little bit. Quagga Smith can obviously come in and play um, at centre if needs be. I mean, he's never done it before. He's played a bit of sevens. We'll see how that goes. But there's obviously a real like major downside uh, to going with seven one. Yeah, because like an injury to a back early on, you're up against it like for the rest of the game. Yeah, and Willem's uh, like, you know, if it was a case that he goes into 10, it's not beyond the realm's possibility. He wasn't good. He was not good there in November. His um, He's a real sort of running out half. His kicking game really was not up to it. And I mean that out of hand and um, some place kicks as well. So um, I think the, we'll see. Like, it, it, it'll be really physical. Conor Murray came off after 35 minutes of the Aviva with his arm tucked up into his jersey. They had one of the second rows came off um, uh, not long after that from a South African point of view with exactly the same injury. Like, I, I would think that probably a lot of the stuff we've been discussing up to this point goes out the window 15, 20, 25 minutes into the game where, given the physical nature of South Africa, it's nearly inevitable that there'll be some injuries. Mm, certainly will be, yeah. Um, a lot of the, I suppose, the main 
folks referring is, is Johnny Sexton a lot hinges on, on him and a lot weighing on his shoulders heading into tonight's game but given his performances in the last two games you'd be very very confident that Johnny is at his best given that he was out for six months he just looked to hit the ground running didn't he mm-hmm. like I think you have to caveat the opposition course but having said that like he was just really sharp I'm excited by the fact that Jack Crowley's on the bench as well like I think that when he comes on uh, when he comes on I think we're safe enough to say oh, God knows when that will be but when he comes on like there's not a trepidation about it it feels like almost a bit of excitement about it which is uh, kind of an unusual thing to say I'm not saying that he's at the calibre yet of Johnny Sexton but he just offers something so different but Sexton looks good he looks very calm he could be headed into the last two games potentially uh, potentially the last three games he's on the home straight anyway from an Irish point of view um, he was up last year on the week you know has he been managed to has, he, has this been a different World Cup for him has he soaked up the atmosphere and he sort of made some kind of a rough effort at saying, yeah, oh, yeah, no, you do. But you really got the view that uh, he's here for one job and that's it. Exactly, yeah. And his partner, Jameson Gibson Park, uh, at Scrum Half, the only change from uh, last week's team. But that seems to be a good combination at 9-10 between Jemison and, uh, and Johnny. Yeah, I would. I don't know about you, but I had. Um, I wouldn't have been disappointed to see Murray there. Hmm. Like... Did, did very good in November, like brings that bit of physicality to it. I know that he maybe gets sort of a bit of heat for being a box-kicking scrum half. He had a few good snipes in that South Africa match, a couple of little dummy passes. Now, Gibson Park did make the break that ultimately led to one of the tries and um, is clearly, I think, you know, the, the number one choice there. But again, no more than the Jack Crowley bit. I think that uh, when he comes on, we're not losing anything. He's, in, he's a player in good form and, like, I think we'll kind of relish that. Um, physical challenge but it'll be interesting to see yeah, like they've sort of chopped and changed a bit of the halfbacks over the last while those two lads know each other very well from the from Leinster as well so mm. will be interesting to see how they go Yeah the sides met last year Ireland winning 19-16 what will both sides have learned from that game I suppose ha- has much changed for either side since that game in the Aviva Yeah Paul O'Connell was, I was asking him during the week like what have you, you know in the down days over the last couple of years now because I've known about this for three years like what have you been doing what sort of work have you been doing on it and again as much as you would get sort of like oh we've you know looked at our game plan maybe made a few tweaks and we have spent a bit of time looking at it so I'd love to know what that little folder that little <laughs> Google folder on the hard drive looks like with the little sort of bullet points of um, stuff to watch out for stuff to tweak but I think that um, it was a good mix that day and I go back to the line out Ireland won some good ball there. Our line-out hasn't been amazing over the last warm-up games and over the last couple of games against fairly inferior opposition. So um, are they holding a few moves back? Or It wouldn't be unusual that they might be, like that their their full-test line-out calls haven't been in action over the last couple of games because why would you want South Africa seeing that yeah. stuff? So um, like we'll get a good sense of that over the early part, but it, I think the line-out is going to be unbelievably important. It's going to be huge, isn't it? I mean, like the first couple of line outs in that battle is just going to be absolutely fascinating to watch. Yeah, Peter Romani getting stuck in, throwing a few elbows, giving a bit of guff. <laughs> he was full on at it in November. I watched the game back during the week. And he was, that. that is exactly, when Peter Romani retires, we are going to, uh, we're going to miss that. Like mm. people all can talk about that bit of a dog. And that's him. And you need it. I mean, he's a great quality player as well. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be diminishing that part of his game, but mm. you do need that bit of, um, bit of a dog out there. Um, Johnny Sexton in the press conference is saying that there there could be 30,000 Irish fans in the Stade de France tonight how much of a, an advantage is that going to be to Ireland to create that kind of cauldron-like atmosphere in Paris? Massively it was ferocious at the Aviva again in November like I really think that was a huge factor uh, 30,000 fans there was 38 flights came out here yesterday um, I think that might have been from Dublin alone mm. and I saw some reports from Cork that would have been a whole stack more uh, in the region of upwards of 20,000 people like in transit in one day into this city to give you a real sense of what's going on. The late uh, kickoff here, it's like 9 o'clock local time means that there'll be floods of people coming in today as well. There'll be no reason you couldn't catch a, an afternoon flight from Cork to Dublin and over you get. So um, I think it's going to be ferocious. I think we're going to way uh, outnumber the uh, fans in the stadium. There'll be a whole pile of French fans there as well with their notebooks out taking notes for whatever it'll be the quarterfinal of the semis or beyond. Um, but yeah I think um, I've seen plenty of them around there are a good few South Africans as well but I think when it comes to you know particularly Munster fans how resourceful they can be with getting their hands on tickets and stuff I yeah. expect there to be a real Irish feel to it out there in the Stade France tonight uh, just one man we have to mention as well is Bondiaki who wins his 50th cap tonight he's been so impressive in the two games and just how central is he to, to, to Ireland's game plan tonight 
Well, about a year or a year and a half ago, uh, Robbie Henshaw was probably one of the first names on the team. He'd become so important in the leadership group and out in the pitch as to what they were doing. And it's a real testament to Bundyaki that nobody is really questioning his position in the in the pitch now. And like, it, as you say, it's his 50th cap. He lead out the team again. And I was asking him during the week, like, he is a player that plays on high emotion and you've seen him berate himself after like making a slip in a game yeah. or he'd be like almost slapping himself in the face at times because he gets his, his, his emotions are high about it and he wants to do well. Um, but And I asked him during the week, you know, how, have you thought about that? Because, you know, you've had Keith Earls pass a big landmark recently. Conor Murray has done some, you know, something similar. There's a lot of people around and I wondered, sorry if you've been chatting to them. I think he's trying to put it in his back pocket. I think he's just trying to say... I'm going to try and not think about it and just get out there yeah. and play my usual usual game. But yeah, I'm seven ring rows and struck up a brilliant partnership. But like no more than the line out, I put the that midfield battle secondary to that. Can they stop that uber quick South African defensive line? Mm. Now it's not obviously do or die tonight. It's um, if Ireland lose, it's not the end of the world. They will just end up facing France. However, Adrian, a couple of people to me have suggested might not be a bad time to face France with Anton Dupont missing. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know the answer to it is the thing. I have uh, got a copy of the keep this morning to see could I figure out what the latest was and they were talking about worries and uh, anxieties about, about whether he's going to make it or not. But there was one of the reports on their paper online overnight saying that he'd had the operation and that they were somewhat pleased with how it had gone with that uh, fracture on his on his uh, face. So, um, I don't know. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Like yeah, for having that type of an injury. How do you manage that in a in a, again, a ferocious sort of test match like that. And who's better to face, France or New Zealand, in that context? I don't know. I still fancy that maybe New Zealand are just not what New Zealand were. Um, of course, like Ron Regard was saying during the week, that, that uh, DuPont is worth 10 points to them. So, look, there is that. Uh, flip of a coin. Uh, we'll all be experts in hindsight afterwards. You know, win or lose. <laughs> it certainly will be. All right, call it for me, Adrian. I know your heart is saying Ireland, but what's the head saying? Oh, but the head is saying nearly a draw. Like I can't call it. I really can't call it between. And the heart is just going to tip me. I'm going to go three points, Ireland. Cannot wait for kick-off tonight. Eight o'clock is the start time. We'll have more reaction on off the ball from Adrian over the course of the next day and a bit. But Adrian, thanks very much for joining us from Paris. Cheers, Rory. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. Um, very exciting. It's like, what, just over an hour and a half now to go to uh, kick-off. We'll have more on that game in a bit. We're going to hear from Paul O'Connell and our rugby reporter, Evo Callahan, will be uh, joining us to discuss the game. Just want to briefly look back at uh, last night, Cork City losing to Shelburne, which is pretty much... Um, seals their fate in terms of finishing ninth uh, in the uh, race to avoid the relegation playoff so it looks like City for all intents and purposes they are nine points behind Sligo and Drogheda United albeit with a game in hand albeit that is against the league leader Shamrock Rovers um, Sligo Rovers winning uh, last night as well against uh, Derry City so not a good night for Cork City let's briefly hear from uh, Liam Buckley speaking afterwards Right now with Liam Buckley following the sides to one loss here at Togger Park. Liam, how do you assess that one? Obviously we're gutted with the result. Um, we haven't played too badly in patches. Uh, in fairness, I thought Shells knocked it around well. Probably Marty deserved to win it, but uh, we're just disappointed with the result, yeah. Um, looking after the goals conceded, I suppose, disappointed in, in the manner that they were conceded? Yeah, we've conceded quite a few of them this season. Uh, like that. Um, that's something we need to tidy up. You know, We've been working on that, but unfortunately these things happen. Mm-hmm. Massive game on Monday now against Sundock. Yeah, look, obviously with the Sligo result this evening, we'd be just a double whammy for us. Uh, yeah. where we're at. That said, look, we've got a half dozen games left. We're going to give it our best and see mm-hmm. where we go from there. We've got a couple of games, please God, in the cup. Uh, so there's still a lot to play for. Liam, thanks, Will. You're more than welcome. Yeah, not a good night for Cork City there. Dalton Docks come away on Monday. All right, the Republic of Ireland uh, beating Northern Ireland today 3 0 at the Aviva Stadium. Uh, our man Dylan O'Connell was there at the Aviva and watched Ireland uh, pick up a very routine win, Dylan, I suppose is the best way to say, is it? Yeah, like it was like at the end of the day, it was a comfortable win for, for the team. And like it was always quite a hard game to read going to it because like you know it's Northern Ireland at the end of the day is it it is a derby these games are very hard to read in paper but no it ended up being quite a comfortable win and the reason why it wasn't more than just three goals because the goalkeeping done by the Northern Irish goalkeeper she produced a string of excellent saves that made that kind of kept Northern Ireland in the game till the final twenty minutes. Yeah. 
I suppose um, a lot of talk I suppose in the build up to this game as well like I mean like Eileen Gleeson coming in as interim head coach so maybe a little bit of pressure on her shoulders but I suppose the best way to I suppose get rid of that pressure is to, to pick up a win like today yeah, and like it wasn't even just more like, you know, they could have went out today and got a one little win because the way Verpo play football was very much like five at the back, three midfield, two up front or some variation of that. But today they started four at the back, three midfield, three up top. Denise O'Sullivan played in the hole behind the striker. So they were out and attacked, attacked, attacked. And again, they got three goals. It's just the irony is we're trying to get away from, as a country, scoring goals in set pieces and two of the goals today came from set pieces. Yeah, I was going to say, Lucy Quinn getting Ireland's first ever goal at the Aviva Stadium was a, a terrific volley from the edge of the box, Dylan. Yeah, and like it, it was helped by deflection, but like again, it wasn't target anyway, so you can say it's an own goal, but like, no, it's fantastic for her because, again, she's one of those long-time servers who's been been there. But like for everyone involved, uh, like everyone, everyone involved there, like Denise, for Denise to get that moment herself, the fact that, like, you know, they've been around the scene since 2011. We're like, can you imagine telling someone back in like 2011 when the F- when the Aviva Stadium was first opened that within 12 years that the the women's team be playing there? Like, can you can you just like it just shows how far the game has come and it's proved for the players who've been along on the journey. Yeah, and uh, I suppose a lot of talk in the build-up was that 38,000 uh, tickets had been sold for the game. I think there was a crowd of just over 35,000 turned up in the end, which is just an incredible crowd, Dylan. Yeah, fantastic. Like, people need to realise how fast this is coming on and how quickly it's coming on. Because like, there, was, there, was, there was always going to be that you no know, court support there who were in Tala, who go to Tala every single week. But you need that to penetrate through to people who, you know, so they can see it as more like, you support one, you support Ireland. You don't support the men's team, you support Ireland. That's it, full stop. And you can really see starting to peter tr- through. And it's not just something where the team does have a very young support base. But even when I was even at the Davies Stadium today, there was loads of like guys my own age, there was like teenagers, there was guys, out, which is the big, big thing because they're embracing it as a joint thing, and that's so important for the overall development of it. And the school, school boys, school girls clubs that travel up and down the country for it. Eileen Gleeson, in the um, build-up to this, she was asked if she wanted the job um, full-time. Um, she kind of deflected it off. She said, look, her job, the FBI, is to get more women involved in football. That's what she's focusing on. But after today's win, and if Ireland were to pick up a win against uh, Albania, or Hungary, excuse me, um, on Tuesday, you could make an argument that she should get the job on a full-time basis. Oh, yeah, 100%. But I think it's more, it needs to be taken in a game-by-game basis. You also need to look at who's out there and available. Like, the manager of Liverpool's women's team has been touted as a possible name, I heard today. But again, uh, with all due respect, uh, international football is a lot different than club football. He is building something over at Liverpool when you look at the players he has, like Leanne Cairn and Nia Fahey on the books over there. So would, would he be willing to come over? And if, like, Eileen is the most suitable candidate at this moment in time, it'd be, it's, it just makes more sense in the eyes in the F, in the, from the FBI because, again, she's someone who knows women's football. She's involved in P1 United. She's involved in Glasgow City. She knows all the different stages that, like the women's players go through to break it into, into the top level going from Ireland to Scotland so she is the most natural fit when you, especially when you look at like, the, the available candidates at the moment and Colin Healy is part of a backroom team as well obviously uh, well known to us um, wealth of experience there that Colin brings from his days I suppose as an international I suppose and his days as managing Cork City yeah like I saw him out on the pitch the day before the game he took a touch of the ball I was like I'll just just put him in a green like green and white and red jersey and put him back and turn his cross. Uh, he still has that touch, but like it's he's like he's a person. I feel like people probably don't realise how much he's actually done in the game. He was coached by Martin O'Neill. He played in Scotland. He won a Scottish Premiership. Mm. He he's a fantastic record with young players, which I feel goes right under the radar. Like David Harrington, like most of the players, Carl uh, Heflin, they'd have all dealt with him with some capacity at Cork City. And, and which, which, if you can transfer those skills now, so like some of the young players in the women's team, like Tyler Toland today, who got player of the match, or even Abby Larkin, who just signed for Glasgow City. Yeah, I was going to ask you about um, Tyler Toland. It's her first game in four years, and um, she's brought back into the fold for this fixture. I suppose the best way, I suppose, to, to send a message is put in a good performance, and she certainly put in a good performance today. Yeah, like um, I saw a joke on Twitter that it was a bit like uh, when Kieran Donnie was like Joe Brawley, uh, Connie Joe Brawley on television a couple of years ago. Yeah. So like, it was probably the perfect way for Tyler Tolan to kind of to answer it, to be honest. But like we asked her about it in the mix zone afterwards, and she was like, "Look, I'm focusing on the future, not the past." So I feel like she's probably personally drawn a line under it and doesn't want to be defined by the last four years because she's still incredibly young. Mm, she certainly is, and big big future ahead of her. Um, but I suppose the spectre of Vera Power has just loomed over this Irish team in the build-up to this week. There was a lot of talk about her in the build-up. Does this performance, does this result put that to bed and can Ireland now start, I suppose, looking to the future? 
Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like uh, um, any critics that, there that were silenced, I think most important you know is is getting another three points in Budapest on Tuesday. I think the game yeah, is Tuesday, yeah. uh, be- because if they get a result on Tuesday, they can boost their chances of securing a playoff spot for Euro twenty twenty five, which is massive to build in the World Cup. And just from a Cork perspective as well, uh, Dylan, I suppose, obviously, Megan Connolly and uh, Denise O'Sullivan starting, but Ava O'Mahony on the bench as well for Ireland as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it shows, I suppose, um, when people talk about, like, you know, fo- like uh, female footballers coming out of Cork, people kind of, like, you know, focus on it to Denise and Megan. And rightly so, they're two fantastic world players. But Ava O'Mahony is, like, the next generation coming through. People forget how young she is. She's only, was it 21, I think, 2021? 20, mm. And was it three years ago she was playing for Cork City in the Women's Premier Division? So she she's really one to watch the future and even if she didn't come on today or if she doesn't come on and choose that she's still around that environment which yeah. is huge for her. She already has four senior international caps to her and the journal defenders, she's got learning off those around her, even people like Denise, Kayden McCabe, she's picking off things off them, which is huge for her overall development. Big time, yeah. I have to ask about Saoirse Noonan. She was in the squad, Dylan, uh, she was put forward for media duties during the week, so I was surprised not to see her on the team sheet today. Yeah, and we, it was a strange one. And like, the only logic I could think uh, we could think between ourselves was maybe she picked up a knock on training oh, last yeah. night or maybe in the warm up. But like, it was it was it, it was still a strange one. But again, she'll still be on the flight to Budapest on Tuesday, which is the most important thing. All right, Dylan. Thanks for that, buddy, and safe trip back down. Thanks, Rory. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dylan. Dylan O'Connell there uh, speaking to us uh, on the way back from the Aviva Stadium after Ireland's 3-0 win today. Uh, half-time, Brentford won, Everton won. Uh, second half, just about to kick off there. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from uh, Paul O'Connell. This is the show. Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. All right, just a couple of scores to get you up to date on. The uh, Bon Secours Cork Senior Football Championship quarter. Finally, more Rangers beating Clonakilty five points to four. Low scoring affair there in Bannon, but the weather conditions are certainly not making for a pleasant night to play football. And uh, similar in the Senior A Football Championship quarter final, Lock Nagree have beaten Bailoch and Gertig uh, 10 points to Eight, not a real face, uh, Newmarket or Johnny's in that semi-final. Right, less than 90 minutes now to go uh, to kick off at the Stade de France. Let's get some more build-up. Our rugby reporter, Aoife Callahan is going to give us all the uh, big match talking points. First of all, let's hear from uh, coach Paul O'Connell looking ahead to tonight's game. That's going to take a big performance for sure. They're, they're an, an excellent side. Um, they've been together a long time as a group. Uh, together a long time as a coaching group as well and they obviously understand how they want to play and how they want to deal with certain situations in the game they've uh, I think they've developed their game since the last World Cup and developed their game a lot since since last autumn in particular um, so it, our boys are under no doubt about how big a challenge it is um, you know, they obviously present a big physical challenge. I think we present a big physical challenge as well, and they present a real tactical challenge as well. You know, they're they're a very smart side, and that's probably one of the things you admire most about them is is the smarts they can bring along with their physicality. So, uh, um, I think it's the strength of our side as well. So, um, you know, we 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 speak about uh, this Irish team and what this Irish team stands for, and. Uh, uh, I think they've got to bring everything they've brought to the big occasions they've been in in the last few few years. You know, we've you know we've had a Test series decider down in New Zealand in in Wellington. Uh, we've had a Grand Slam decider. Um, you know, we've had uh, a, a tough uh, autumn series against uh, some very tricky opposition, and the boys have always found a way and figured it out. And it's a real strength of theirs. So they're going to have to they're going to have to play super well tomorrow but they're also going to have to figure things out and uh, and uh, it's something I really enjoy watching them do when, when, when they have a challenge in front of them how they manage to figure it out as a group and uh, they're going to have to do that at the weekend all out there you've, you've focused as a coaching group on overcoming adversity and, and a lot over the last couple, couple of years when you see what happened last night with Anton Dupont is that a reminder that World Cups are never straightforward 
And what was your reaction to that injury and kind of what did it kind of remind you? Yeah, nothing is ever straightforward. I mean, you know, we were down in New Zealand this year. We'd uh, <laughs> loads of people. Mac, uh, I remember me used to meet Mac in the park. He used to train in his own in the park because he had COVID. Uh, some of the coaching staff had COVID. Um, uh, you know, we've had all sorts of challenges thrown at us and it's a big strength of Andy's that he he, uh, he kind of revels in it and enjoys it. And, uh, you know, there's no doubt there's going to be ups and downs during the World Cup and there'll be ups and downs within the game. And uh, players' experience and their, I suppose, their willingness to, I suppose, embrace those challenges and those obstacles is what's uh, gotten them to where they are at the moment. So... There'll be plenty of that tomorrow, there's no doubt about it. Paul, how long have you been planning uh, for this to take on the challenge of that South African pack? And where does it rank for you as a coach in terms of the work that you've had to put into it to try and get one over them? It's right up there. I wouldn't say we've been... You know, we've known our pool opponents for quite some time, so uh, so there's been plenty of chat about it. There's been plenty of, of days where we've had a bit of a focus on on the teams within the pool um, to figure out what they're about and what we need to be about on that day. But um, And the fact that we've known for a little longer um, means you have, you have more time. But it, it hasn't been massively different. You know, I, I think one of the things you, you can't do on these occasions is, is move away from how you prepare and move away from what you stand for. You know, you have to tweak things a little bit um, so, that you, so that you're ready for the opposition for sure but you, you know I think that's one of our big strengths is, is our understanding of, of what we're about and how we go about delivering that it's, you know, it, it's hard enough every week ensuring that we deliver what we stand for you know, so there's certainly a focus on the opposition but I would say not as much as you guys would think that was Paul O'Connell speaking in the pre-match press conference. Delighted to say that our rugby reporter Aoife Callahan has joined us live in studio ahead of kickoff. Aoife, how are you? Hi, Rory. How are things? Thanks so much for having me in. Uh, it's great to have you here as well. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for tonight? Because I mean, like, the kickoff is getting closer, and it's such a massive game. Oh, I'm ten out of ten, definitely excited. But at the same time, I think, like. Eight, 8 o'clock can't come fast enough I'm so ready to just get these nerves out of the way I'm so ready to just like just sit and enjoy it and not think of the ifs buts and maybes that can kind you, of surround it Can you enjoy a game though that's this big and there's so much riding on it? Come back to me at like the 75th minute and we'll see we'll see how we're feeling then for sure <laughs> um, So much talk so many, so many talking points I should say heading into this game and uh, the one that has dominated the entire discussion and it's one that was kind of flagged in advance was the 7-1 split that South Africa have gone with um, how do you see that and I mean like Andy Farrell kind of laughed it off and said look it's, it's Granish as part of the game but how, where are the advantages for South Africa in having a split like that? Well their advantages will definitely going to be their, their scrums do you know like knowing that they have basically a full pack on that pitch and on the bench that they can go hell for leather in the first 40 minutes and it means that we I suppose in a sense have to keep an eye on our discipline because it means like we, we need to scrummage less because we have less on the bench when you think about mm-hmm. it um, but at the same time it does make you wonder like has Jacqueline Barr like taken it just a step too far now Faf de Kirk their scrum half has come out and said that they have trained for this this has been in the works for the year not years yeah. but like the last year or two years and they prepare themselves like if there's a yellow card if there's an injury do you know so they do have it all kind of prepared but only having one scrum half on the bench is a bit like from a rugby player's perspective yeah. is just like how do you make that work like if you injure a winger if you have like a red card how you're not you can't stick a prop on the wing like <laughs> as much as props <laughs> wish to be on the wing at some stage like you know that's just it's not going to work one, so. one of the back rows I suppose could like technically I suppose fill in the wing if something does happen but it's not ideal it's not no but it means that you know for us in a sense We've played the last two games and we've played them differently than I suppose we've played before. You know, we haven't mm. played our usual kick game. We've gone quite, especially against Tonga, you can see it, we've gone quite heavy into rucks, you know, gone very physical, which I think we're going to have to bring to this game. But at the same time, I think it's an opportunity to bring back that kick game in a little bit, have James Lowe targeting the wingers, tiring them out, you mm. know, 
forcing them to cramp kind of come like the 60th minute you know you never you kind of it's going to be a mind game for sure I think it's going to be more than just what happens it's on the pitch it's such a fascinating tactical battle I mean like with South Africa obviously they've put set out their stall they've gone heavy forwards gone heavy on the forwards on their bench so from an iron perspective do you then go wide stretch them out and try and tire them out as much as possible I think that's going to possibly be the plan do you know we've got obviously uh, Jack Crowley on the bench and he can kind of slot in anywhere so that if we do end up having to keep Johnny Sexton on you know we can put him in centre we can put him in full back or whatever so at least we know we have him to kick we'll have Johnny to kick uh, Jameson Gibson Park and box kick Conor Murray's you know has a great boot but we yeah. also have James Lowe do you know who can sweep both wings do you know send a few balls high have Mac Hansen chasing them down so I think it's going to be a running game mm. but it's all going to depend I'd say on that first 15 minutes you know how South Africa come out of the blocks you know what I mean how how we'll fare as well at the same time do you know, will we have any injuries will we have any red cards like this is um, Ben O'Keefe I think is the ref the New Zealander and this is his first match of this year's World Cup now he mm. has ref he was I think the youngest ref to ever ref I suppose in the 2019 World Cup okay. so he's he is experienced and he's ref the Lions and stuff like that but from watching the last number of matches himself for being on the line you know how is he going to I suppose align his refereeing style with how I suppose red cards and yellow cards have been given out so far this tournament. Mm. You know, so that's going to be a really interesting one because, you know, as we've seen, things have been missed, but then things have also not been missed and maybe gone worse. So it's like, yeah. it's very much becoming a survival of the fittest, basically, <laughs> a little bit, you know. Actually, yeah, that, that new system for um, yellow cards and then mm. review possibly upgrading to red, it's fantastic. It speeds things up a little bit. Oh, 100%. And I think, like, it allows the game flow but it also brings I suppose that element of suspense a little bit like <laughs> you've seen was it one of the South Africans was um, you know this could have been his second yellow card of the season or whatever how long have they played like in the last year or so and like you could just see the relief on his face when it was an upgraded kind of thing and like yeah. you, that's, that's what you, you don't want players to get red cards because no. like especially any of the top players because that rules them out of the tournament like you've seen now like France are on a bit of a a line at the moment with Dupont's facial injury and like he wince every time I think of that do time. you know what I mean and like it's you know your man from Namibia is getting a lot a lot of flack for God love him like mm. and everything but at the same time do you know you don't want to see the top players out like they're, they're, they're the superstars that people mm. watch the Rugby World Cup for you know actually speaking of Dupont someone has suggested to me um, that if Warren were to lose to South Africa it's not too bad because they'd be facing a France team without Dupont exactly and I think like it's funny, I think even Andy Farrell, I think, said it himself in one of the press conferences during the week, like, we as fans have built this up so much. Like, this is basically our World Cup final. Mm. But when you think about it, it's it's not. Like, okay, if we if we end up losing, we do drop down to third in the world rankings and stuff like that. And um, we will drop down to, I suppose, second in the table. And we still have to play Scotland. And mm. more than likely, I think we can beat Scotland at least we hope and all that jazz um, but I think we've kind of probably hyped it up a lot and it's like whether or not that will kind of pay off and I think for a lot of people I know myself anyway I'm not thinking about any quarterfinals I'm not thinking about any semifinals just purely because I don't want to jinx anything yeah. or anything like that I think we've been I suppose like with 2019 I think we've been kind of scoring before that like we've had all this hope and a lot of people said with us going number one well before kind of the World Cup a lot of people are thinking like we've peaked too soon and stuff like that and we're kind of especially with Romania Tonga being first like this is our first I suppose real real test but I do think like as you said France without DuPont like that that's just like how Makes is that going to work I can't imagine like, that's the thing I don't think anyone can imagine the current French team without DuPont and yeah, Intimac it's amazing isn't it and, it's uh, mental yeah, but that, I suppose if you were to lose South Africa, no, I don't want to be too negative, but if you were to lose South Africa, that is that little cherry on top, I suppose, that DuPont might not be there for France in a prospective quarter final. But all the focus is on beating South Africa. Ireland going into this game. Uh, 27 wins in their last 29, beat South Africa last year, 1916, at the Aviva Stadium. Uh, a great win with both sides, I suppose, that day. Had an eye on this match today, so there might have been, a, I suppose, an element of shadow boxing, feeling each other out. So I'm not sure how much of a, um, a role that game last year is going to have on today's game if you know what I mean 
But when you think about it, like these fixtures were released. I actually can give you the days because I found it online <laughs> last night. Nine hundred and thirty-eight days ago, yeah, these fixtures came out. So this 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 match has been on South Africa's mind the last three years, mm. which is just it's insane. So they like they've used this seven-one split. I think when they played New Zealand in. Um, rugby championship I want to mm. say um, now they did lose in that match um, so do you know I suppose they've taken that on but like I do think this is something we can use to our advantage but at the same time it's one of those things being like you know Razzy he loves a good mind game you've seen him with his, his lights up in the, the coach's box and all that jazz so it's like have they just gone with the 7-1 just so yeah. we all kind of go oh my god like do we have to yeah. do we have to change absolutely everything and Razzie does know Irish rugby inside and out from Literally. his time at with Munster <laughs> as well so I mean like he's going to have his sight so focused so laser focused on this Irish team tonight it'll be interesting to see what tricks he has his sleeve, up his sleeve for, for, for Ireland tonight well big time especially since they have um, Felix Jones in there with them as well mm. so like he has even more of the the old underground underground secrets but like I think the shit bandy's running at the moment in fairness to him I think you know this is a team where they seem they've all really gelled and I think the last two games especially I think they've just really enjoyed their rugby yeah. and it's something I said um, when I was chatting to one of my buddies there recently um, I he has his own podcast and we were reviewing the Tonga game and I was like this is the first game I've watched where they've they've played a different side of rugby they've played that kind of like front up physicality mm-hmm. you know let Bundy kind of run his lines really really hard and stuff like that and let Mac, Mac Hansen be absolutely magic as, <laughs> as usual um, as is, yeah. but it just looked like they were really really enjoying themselves mm. now is this one of those things where we let them have their little enjoyment and now it's like okay this is where we need to like focus in but I think they're just enjoying how they're playing I think knowing that they have the 15 wins already behind them I think like they're coming in with the pressure, but I think it's something that they're actually able to handle this time around. Mm. Do you know? And I think it's it's the fans mostly that are probably hyping up this more than <laughs> the actual team themselves. Yeah, because you're right. Because I mean, like you did, Andy Farrell said it's not make or break. He's not really fussed. Of, well, he is fussed of Ireland win or lose. But he said we're not out of the tournament if we lose tonight. So it's not exactly, yeah. it's not a quarter final. Is is what his point was. But if you're an Irish fan, you want to keep on winning. You want to keep that momentum going. And if you're an Irish player, you want to keep that momentum going. And a lot of pressure, I suppose, on their shoulders, as you mentioned, heading into this game. South Africa, I was checking out beforehand, slight favourites for tonight's game um, against Ireland, which I think has caught a, a few people by surprise. I think so, yeah. I think, like, it's like the split has just been dominating everywhere. Yeah. So I think, you know, like the bomb squad, the nuke squad, whatever bomb you want to call squad, them, yeah. you know, like thinking of that kind of coming on in like say what like the 60th minute it's like you know how is Porsche gonna if Porsche's still on if Ty Furlong's still on do you know what I'm really really excited <laughs> yeah, can you imagine if you're a tired front row and you see an entire new front row <laughs> exactly just like the, the big chest puffed out and everything like oh stop but um, I'm really excited to see how John Klein gets on because mm. you know you're so used to seeing him play with the likes of Ty Burr and the likes of Peter O'Mahony so to actually see them kind of come head to head should really be interesting and I think like it's one of those things like if he performs well it's like you know what could have been what could have been yeah. like that's all I've said all tournament and he's played so well this tournament it's like why wasn't he selected yeah do you know and like it's I obviously as a Munster fan and I've met actually John Klein a couple of times and you, you know the passion he has for Munster and you know how appreciative yeah. he, he was when he got that Irish the couple of Irish caps way back when it's like if he was in our own shirts yeah, yeah. Do you know it's just like you know it'd be interesting to see how I suppose also how the media perceive it afterwards because you know uh, well if South Africa win that question's going to have to be asked oh 100%, Farr, 100%. why wasn't time selected and you know at the same time then at least we have CJ Stander on our side <laughs> CJ is full on Ireland this, t- this afternoon which it's, is the which Ireland is great shirt, to hear yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I suppose a lot of talk coming into this tournament was on Johnny Sexton who hadn't played for six months because of of injury and suspension he comes back plays a starring role in two of Ireland's games uh, without being disrespectful to the opposition they were essentially warm-up games um, but this is a massive step up for him there's a lot riding on his shoulders tonight yeah and it's just I suppose can he stay fit for the full 80 is the main thing do you like, know do you like, get 60 minutes out of him and bring on Crowley like that's the big question yeah and like like then the, like for us now it's the back line it's like if we get a centre injured, you know, if, like if if Hugo Keenan goes down injured, you know, Mac will not Mac, um, Jack will have to mm. 
slip into fullback. He might not slip into centre. You know, like will Johnny stay fit? It's like I think he's playing better rugby than I think he played back in the last Six Nations. I think he kind of was obviously grateful to get back into the setup and probably get back into the swing of things and stuff like that. And we were, I suppose, slightly fearful that he'd be. I know we who would thought would have thought we'd say Johnny Sexton would be rough, rusty or whatever. Like, <laughs> um, but like we did, we didn't know how he'd fare coming no. in against, especially against Tonga. I think a lot of us didn't think we, he'd play as our last of kind of forty minutes against Tonga mm. because you know you had Big Ben and the massive just yeah. Tongas in general. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see how he fares if he comes out of it unscathed. And like as we said, like we've got Jack on the bench, and I think. Big moment this, for him tonight, yeah. Oh, big time. And I think, like, he's just... Comparing him to Ross Byrne, you know, I think he's just that little bit more physical. And I think he's not... Like, he's he's able to take the ball on and take it into contact. And he's kind of not afraid to do that. Now, is that his youth coming through a little bit? And it could mean he gets yeah. absolutely slammed tonight. <laughs> um, but I just think... You know, like looking at how Ross Byrne last week played, and I'm not saying he played badly. Like he's very much get the ball and ship it out as fast as he can, which worked mm-hmm. in some instances. But it was also drawing defenders and meaning he was getting slammed without the ball. Then, yeah. which isn't as great. But no, definitely this is a massive moment for Jack, and this could solidify him for taking over yeah. from Johnny. Do you know, huge moment, yeah, huge moment for Jack Crowley, right? And I'm sure. We'll be getting a very, very close eye on him when he comes onto the pitch tonight. Uh, just before we wrap up, um, Bundyaki is the man in form for Ireland at the moment, scoring tries for fun and looks like he's absolutely, absolutely loving his rugby. But again, a lot riding on him tonight. Oh, big time. It's also his 50th cap. Yeah. So, big congrats, Bundy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but no, like, I think just the performance he had against Tonga last week, I think he's going to be, like, just good for that physicality I think tonight and like it depends on I suppose the game that Ireland want to run if they go with the kick game I don't think he'll see as much ball as he probably saw in Tonga but if they do want to front up for those first like 10-15 minutes because that's another thing is like you don't want South Africa to get on top in the first couple of minutes yeah. you kind of you, you'd want Ireland to get that first score just not only for their own confidence but South Africa tend to not kind of like coming back from like a deficit or that kind of messes with them a little bit um, so you're hoping that he'll be on form you're hoping we'll all be on form <laughs> to be quite honest really like it's so it's one of the ones that's going to be it's going to be on a knife's edge it's going to be so unbelievably close like I think and like you like it's so hard to pick a winner it kind certainly of thing. is I'm going to put you on the spot though, I'm going oh, to ask God. yeah I mean like obviously us both being Irish people, we, we our heart says Ireland are going to win, but what does the head say? I think it's going to be close, and I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I think it'll be Ireland by five. Ireland by five, that's what I like to hear. It's what I'm feeling. Fingers crossed, eight o'clock to kick-off time. Certainly drawing very, very close here on the uh, big red bench ahead of kick-off tonight at the Stade de France. Uh, cannot wait. We're going to have all the reaction on the game tomorrow. And we're going to hear from uh, Moss Finn as well. But for now, the Big Red Bench is at uh, rugby correspondent Aoife Callahan. Thanks for calling into us. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you, Aoife. Uh, all right, kickoff is in an hour and three minutes and 40 seconds. Yep. Not that I'm counting or anything, but it's going to be an absolutely cracking game tonight. And as uh, as Aoife was saying there, she's predicting an Ireland win. Fingers crossed that happens. Enjoy the game, folks, wherever you are watching. Um, and uh, be sure and join us at the Big Red Bench tomorrow. We'll be uh, discussing the game and wrapping it all up here. Uh, we're out of time. Thanks indeed for listening to us. Back tomorrow at 6. TV's up next. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday now, folks. And come on, Ireland. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.